Welcome to another episode of the Circumpolar People podcast. Today we'll be discussing the history and the culture of the Chukchi. My name is Luke Robinson and I'm here with my co-hosts Alex, Amelia, and Nathan Long. In a minute I'm, I will be discussing the Chukchi versus the Russians. But before that, I want to take some time to discuss basic information about the Chukchi. One thing is that they live in Chukotka, and there's two types of Chukchi. The Maritime Chukchi, who they live in coastal areas, and the Tundra, and they mainly hunt sea mammals, like walruses, whales, seals. And another one is the Reindeer Chukchi, and by the name that implies they just, they live in the taiga and they tame and herd reindeer. Now moving on to the Chukchi versus the Russia, versus the Russian Cossack, Cossacks. The main thing, the main person involved was Ivan the Terrible. He formed the first centrally administered Russian state. He was very war-minded and he had a lot of wars with several different nations, but he's a very controversial figure in history and his main motivations for trying to conquer were new opportunities for resources. For example, walrus tusk, that can be, they really wanted that and that was very valuable to them for art, boats, housing, and a bunch of different things. And in general, just to spread he wanted to spread Russian Orthodox. Ivan the Terrible thought that it was his duty and role to spread and the holy message to spread God and the faith of God and his words across the nation and the world. And that was one of his main motivations to conquer and spread throughout the land. Another one was to profit from the fur trade and the tax and the fur tax by collecting Yasek from conquered subjects. One one key way he did this was by hiring the Cossacks, which were ethnically mercenaries that inhabited Russia's borders. They, this also, they were also funded by the Stroganovs. Yeah, they weren't taxed until 50 years after they've already moved to Russia. When they first got to Russia, it was about 1641. And it was about 50 years before they got any fur tax or anything, and that was about the 1700, 1701 area. And they got the fur tax with the walruses and everything else in it. That's when Russia started taking everything from them. Another thing that they collected were beaver, because beaver pelts in Europe were depleting because of overhunting. So that's another reason why that they went eastward to try to search for more beavers, like, you know, more pelts and all the other good things that come from hunting beaver. So, From the Cossacks, so they also dominated and conquered other indigenous groups. Even near the Chukchi, the Koryak, Avinki, the Edelman, they also lived there but the Russian Cossacks totally decimated and dominated these other groups. For example, the Edelmen, they had a, a stable population until the Russian Cossacks came in and wiped them. Who were the Cossacks, though, or Cossacks? Oh, they were just ethnically mis-mercenaries that inhabited Russia's borders. Where did they come from? Like, did they come from like a specific area of Russia? Or Not they... really, they were just around Russia's borders and Russia would rather ally themselves with them rather than be their enemies because they were trying to expand and grow and conquer throughout the land. So they themselves are kind of like a tribal kind of like people. Yeah, kind of. Where were they close to? Like, what area? Mm, just along Russia's borders and the areas around, surrounding there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was mostly around the steppe. So like, kind yeah. of. Like Ukraine and like the... Like lower, like Russia, where the remnants of the Mongolian Empire were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the Chukchi also dominated the other groups, like the Koryak, the Vinkin, the Edelmen, and this kind of summed up that where the Russian Cossacks and the other groups, like the Vinkin, the Edelmen, teamed up to try to take down the Chukchi because they were so powerful and dominant in that area. 
they would go and try to conquer and try to attack other groups. So what made them more powerful? Um, one thing was their strategy and their tactics. They were, they were masters at setting traps, being disguised, being disguised, luring, you know, the other tribes into traps. And also just kind of, they kind of used guerrilla tactics where they would hide, wait, set traps, and then attack. Okay. Yeah, they were big hunters and gatherers. They knew their things. They were very big hunters with the polar bears, seals, uh, walruses, whales, and reindeer. They knew how to trap. They knew how to get their way with other tribes as well. So between the main conflicts with the Chukchi and the or the Chukchi and the Russian Cossacks, there was a big difference between what you know each side had. So the Cossacks' armor was much better. They had hardened leather, wood, while the Chukchi armor had seal and walrus skins, as well as deer, deer bones and antlers. For weapons, the Cossacks had more advanced weapons: firearms, steel, metal weapons. The Chukchi had bows, knives, slingshots, and spears. Even though the weapon and armor difference was huge, the Chukchi put up a great fight and even beat the Russians several times. Another cool fact, though, is that about the Chukchi was they're actually they're known as the true humans of the Loro Betlin, which is pretty cool to think about. That other groups, even and them, called them the true humans because how powerful they were. Wow. I'm pretty sure that most other like. Native groups, as we would call them, would call themselves, their own names would be like just people, essentially, I'm pretty sure also. As I said, the Russian, the Russian military even fought against the Chukchi multiple times, and they could not beat the Chukchi, just because of their tactics and how smart they were with their guerrilla tactics and their strategy. Multiple Russian military generals died from the Chukchi setting traps, and eventually when the Russians military could not beat them. Uh, a peace agreement or olive branch was reached where they would not have to pay Yasak or the fur tax. And that went on for about 40 to 50 ish years. Alrighty, skipping ahead about 200 years, so a bit of time until they were under the influence of the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union took over in 1917, around the 1930s is when the area of Chukotka started to boom due to the Soviet plans of like, the far more, the farther eastern and northern you go, you would like earn more money. So people would flock to the area, all the educated, and like teachers, medical professionals, they would almost make like double the pay compared to if they were like in Moscow. But whatever the Chukchi is that they were put under collectives, the inland Chukchi were put under like reindeer herding and like farming settlements and collectives, while the coastal Chukchi were in more or so sea mammal hunting, so like they said, seals, walrus, whales. Another thing that they, that they did was that they used schools to try to teach them to be Russianized, essentially, like how with other areas, with Norway and Canada, they also used their schools to try to teach them, so, to, to try to teach the natives how to like not be native 
instead of trying to be more like the dominant culture of their own country that they were in. So in some ways, kind of like the boarding schools in Canada yeah. and um, Norway with the same economy. Yeah, yeah. Same, same concept. Trying um, to make themselves less native, yeah. more so. Kind of, it's a common theme what you see in history. Yeah, it is. Every, I guess, European culture trying to do that. It's just any culture, really. Yeah. Just, we, we are lost land, so you follow us, and if you don't, yep. yeah. so, so be it. I feel it. like that's still kind of something that happens what is, to is this kind of, What do you yeah. say? It's kind of like the like if foreign exchange students come over here, like foreign exchange students go over there. Yeah. Kind of. I, I mean, it's that's probably actually, a little better now. But yeah. like, that's it's actually kind of, kind of like interesting. In like modern day Russia, they had this plan to send the some northern circumpolar people to the area around the Black Sea as like kind of just like in a getaway essentially. But people are still comparing that to like the, the schools that used to run and that it's taking them away from their family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing that happened during the area of the Soviet Union rule over the Chukchi were the religious laws that were put into place because it was anti-religion, because it was anti if you were religious, you couldn't be towards the state. So what they did is that they took the shamans and they would either put them into gulags, which were over there, or they would put them, which gulags are political prisoner camps, for those that do not know. And, or if they didn't put them into gulags, they were just killed, and as some people have said, they were just killed, shot, and then thrown to the ocean. So you're just telling me that they just got rid of the shamans? Essentially. <laughs> they found any way to just to... <laughs> Get them out, basically. Yeah, I mean, they Any still reason. wanted them to be there for, like I said, the, like the hunting and the gathering of reindeer. But they yeah, it's just it was the the religious. Part. Yeah, the policy that was set mm-hmm. by the Soviet Union, like they cracked down all their religions because yeah. Now the time that during the Soviet Union there was a mix of the shamanism and a mix of the Russian Orthodoxy. So they're like religion is not benefit not. It was keeping down the working people is what that they said. Yeah. Another tool to control them. Other things that happened were unpromise, unpromising quote-unquote villages were to be abandoned. And by 1960, around 27 villages or hamlets, depending on where they were, were essentially just liquidated. And the people in there forced to move and get out, try to put them more on collective farms or collective hunting adventures. Another thing that the Soviets did with the influx of people means the influx of essentially industry. All they did is that they sent in a lot of... What's the word called? Heavy equipment, what's that called? Machinery. Yeah. They send a lot of machinery to do things like, you know, build for industry, for manufacturing, uh, for strip mining, weapons testing even, because they used a lot of the northern Arctic islands as nuclear ground testing. So this was kind of like the technology era of like yeah it was type mm-hmm. thing like this is where they really got into this was this is more so not this is 
probably around the 50s. Yeah. Because, you know, it's really far away. <laughs> you can't really do a whole lot in the 30s. It was the Great Depression. And in the 40s, it was, you know, World War Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, speaking of that, some... The natives in Russia were not forced to fight in World War Two, but some did volunteer, and some Chukchi were like fighter pilots that were, you know, used oh, so to go. They were, yeah, they were into it with them. That's yeah, really cool like, they yeah, they were. They were like, you know, we are not for, we're not going to be conscripted into the army, but we will go help because it's still, you know, we live over here. So, yeah. <laughs> did Russia give anything to the to them like in their tribe? If like uh, they like volunteered, was it like? bribery kind of thing i don't think it was a bribery i think because like i said they weren't forced to be conscripted so i'm pretty sure it was just mostly volunteering to yeah. just like you know help around like i said some fire pilots some were actually just ground units so mm-hmm. so as they were sent to the collective farms and hamlets it essentially destroyed their prior way of life of being a nomadic hunter and gatherers of you know the inland for reindeer or the sea, what's it called again? Uh, the Maritime Chukchi. The Maritime Chukchi, thank you, for sea mammal hunting and whatever else they could, they could essentially find because it's in the northeastern part of Russia. I don't know if we said that, so it's only, you can't really grow because it's all in permafrost and it's real cold. <laughs> That's basically how they live, the maritime yeah. juke shit. You can't grow anything. Their life is sea mammals, walruses, whales. It's the only way to get anything. Yeah. yeah. You can't, there's no other way. So what they food, would do is like, you know, shelter. anything that they could eat. So they wouldn't eat things like the reindeer. They would boil every part of it, you know, all the organs and all, like even the blood and bone marrow, all of it would be used. It's just because that's what needed to happen in order to live. Same thing for the sea chukchi who needed to use every part of the whale for their entire life but eventually in 1991 with the collapse of the soviet union all the benefits that that came from working up there in chikotka were essentially wiped out and a lot of the money and people from the area went away due to the fact that What's the point of working up there if you can't live up there with... Basically, the region became unprofitable. So a lot of the people there moved, went back to eastern Russia, western Russia, my bad, or down south to Vladivostok. So during the 90s to around the early 2000s, the region just plummeted. I said, you, every 40,000 people left the region, causing, like, disarray and a lot of depletion of vital resources like schools that they still weren't the best, but they still did teach in the schools. And, like, medical care. All the hospitals were essentially gone away from the area. Why was there a massive influx of people leaving? Like I said, there was, like I said, with the, uh, under the Soviet Union, you got paid more to work up there because, you know, you're essentially giving up your life and moving halfway around the world to live in a northern, cold, dark, 
landscape. Yeah, makes sense. So it's like, you know, if you're going to go work up here, you might as well make more money. And, you know, the Soviet, you know, all like communism, all that other fun stuff, so. Yeah, I moved too. I mean, I mean, you, you made that much more money? Alrighty. So that's what's happened during the 90s to the 2000s. But in the year 2001, if I'm going to get this name right, Roman Abramovich. Yep. Sound, sounds pretty close, that's at least. I think it is, yeah. Who is a Russian oligarch. Was elected governor of the Chukotka Autonomous Okrug, which is what it's formally called. The Chukotka is just the colloquial name for the region. I know he was the governor from, I believe he was elected in 2001 to 2008. Correct. Then, yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. That is correct. And he he's a controversial figure, but... I know he helped uh, develop infrastructure, housing, and education, which I can yep. really appreciate for the Chukchi people. Yep. I thought that was really cool, Every, even though he is kind of controversial. Yeah, because when he was elected into the governorship, what he did is that he saw that the region was essentially poor in a backwater, so he moved his businesses there so that there would be an actual influx of money into the region instead of money just going out of the region. And when he was elected, he gave out... 20 kilograms of sugar, 5 kilograms of salt, butter, and dried fruits, and a sack of flour and potatoes so that people could actually eat <laughs> mm-hmm. and be, yeah. you know, basically get, like, a jump start into, like, okay, we're going to move stuff over here, so if you want to, you can work, and then you're actually, you know, healthy enough to work. Yeah. That's cool that you get if all the, like, every person, all that yeah, stuff. Every, food, every person. Yeah, and that's a lot of things. All... All thirty thousand, forty thousand people in the in the in the region were given the provisions to just be like, okay, we know you need this, so you know what, we'll give you a jump start so you can get back to working essentially. Wow, that's a lot. I didn't know that. Yeah. What? Very controversial. Yeah. <laughs> but even if you're controversial, you can still do good. He was using, you know, he's a lot of money, but he was using that ton of money for. Really good purposes. Yeah. To try to, you know, help the Chucky survive and, you know, keep up living with, you know, their culture. Yeah. Another thing that, since there was an actual influx of money into the region, there was a lot of re- revamping, I guess would be the correct word, of the infrastructure of the area. Like, all the rundown Soviet housing from, like, the 50s hasn't been kept up in, since the 50s. Because it's like, okay, we built it, take care of it. So a lot of the housing was revitalized. All the, a lot of the infrastructure was also revitalized. And 100,000 meters of housing, 18 schools, and 28 hospitals were built in the area. That's insane. For that much? He did that much? That's a yeah. lot. Well, it also wasn't just him doing it, oh, but it's yeah. like, you know, oh, yeah. with the actual money in the region, yeah, it's yeah. like, we can afford he, he, he put the money it, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kind of, sort of. But even with the help that they've gotten from Roman, which... The Shukchi do revere him as a sort of bringer of good fortunes, is what that they would say, I believe. But even with the all the good, there's still a lot of bad in the area. Yeah. For example... Even with the introduction of, like, new hospitals, 
it's still very hard to get access to proper medical care. And even with the medical care, the diet is still poor because even that they can get outside food, like, you know, canned vegetables and fruits, it's very expensive to get. So a lot of, like, the natives of the, and, like, the Chukchi cannot afford it. And another thing that, that afflicts most native groups is alcoholism because it's not the cultural thing. It's just the... Uh, they have it, and it, like, takes away the pain. Yeah. So. Alcoholism, substance abuse, and just previous uh, generational trauma from the boarding schools. Yes. Yeah. Just, you it, combine everything of that, and, you it know. It piles up. Yep. Yep. So, leads to just alcoholism, and essentially just a bad, like, environment for people to be around. And another thing that's very controversial with the... Maritime Chukchi is whaling, which is a traditional way of life because they need to do it in order to survive because that's where most of their food came from. And with the International Whaling Commission, they allow for the Maritime Chukchi to hunt 35 gray whales and 5 Greenlandic whales, but that was in 2010. I do not know if if they have updated it in more recent years, but... Yeah. I know that whales are their main source of food. Yeah, there. whales and are. Yeah, for the maritime, it's the whales. Like one single whale lasts them. Like yeah. it's a lot bigger than like a walrus that you could yeah. get. It's also a lot harder to get, probably though. The one thing is though that the IWC, the International uh, Whaling Committee, they they kind of force the Chukchi to use traditional methods. They have to use you know traditional wooden boats made out of you know, obviously wood and. Whale, whale boat. They only don't, well, they don't have access to it because they live in the taiga, so it's more so like oh, yeah. it's just all the like parts whale of bones, yeah, whale yeah. skin, a bunch of skins to try to just keep the water yeah, out. Mm-hmm. Or really they might get animals. wood from like trading trading with, yeah. trading with southern. So that so modern ones might be might be you know made with wood, traditional, mm-hmm. very rarely. They also wood. use traditional weapons. I know spears mm-hmm. and like other maybe bows too, but like they can't use like. Even to like once they you know the whale is beached. Yes, they can't like move it with like a forklift or another like yeah, big yeah. Yeah. technology or anything for it. Uh, they're really resourceful, is what I've seen. Like, can you imagine being in those conditions? And like, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't be able to do anything. Oh no! I mean, they have to do it though because those yeah. whales feed so many families there. Yeah, yeah, like just going out in the water and just you know moby dicking down a whale. It's like. I guess and I, it's kind of like it's a battle versus uh, indigenous rights versus I guess not really like government rights, but it's, it's kind of a battle between the two because people are fighting, you know, for I guess the rights I guess to not to kill the whale and like endangerment laws versus you know the rights of the indigenous people. I mean, it's it, kind of like a battle back and forth. I mean, it does make sense though because oh, yeah. in the in the Soviet Union, a lot of the whale, whales were still hunted for, not just for food, but they were collected for, you know, like, oils and all the other yeah good things, whale bones, whale skin, all the other good things. The, uh, well, and they used the whale to make boats, too. Yeah. The wrap, like, whale skin and other skins around a boat, essentially, to just waterproof it. Because, surprisingly, whales are waterproof. No. Surprising, I know. <laughs> 
I know whales, like, before, you know, we got, you know, access to the, you know, we got petroleum in the ground. Whales were used for, like, whale oil. Yeah. And that, I don't know, it was a big, it was a lot different because, you know, back in 1900s stuff, that's why whales were hunted for whale oil. But now there's difference with, like, endangered animals, endangered yeah. whales, and it's just a back and forth conflict kind of. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, a lot of them catch some due to no, like, I totally traditional agree. practices, so... Oh, I totally agree. They should have the right to, yeah. you know, kill and use the whales because they need it to survive and live culture. Another thing I just find kind of interesting, which deviates from modern history, is just the diet of the Chukchi, which, like I said, they have to use all parts of anything that they kill. And whenever it's the uh, growing season, quote-unquote, <laughs> when they can actually find greens and berries that they can actually eat. And they would forest for all of that. Yeah. And obviously, fish. Yeah. And like I said, leaves, roots, berries. And like I said, nowadays they have access to canned food, but it's very expensive for them, yeah. for them to get. They did not and, waste one part of any no. animal, any no. plant. They used everything. I mean, hey, like, here's a bladder. I guess what? It's, it's waterproof. Definitely. We can just wrap a, wrap some, like, um, I don't know if they would use a wrap around it, but hey, look, that's a, um, what's the thing called again? Damn it. <laughs> I don't know, but going back to, like, I guess a bit of them, going back in, not ancient history, but, like, older Russian history, I know, like, Disease played a big part with uh, a lot of the Russian introducing uh, smallpox and uh, influenza to the, uh, I guess, the Chukchi. But I want to, I wonder if, I know there's, I guess, the modern disease that that is affecting, I guess, the Chukchi. Yeah, there's water skin, by the way, is what it's called. There it is. But so nowadays, they do have access to medical care. Is it very great? No, but like it's there because back in the day, the Chukchi didn't have access to medicine. So, with now access to medicine, it's like okay, we can actually. Oh, you got a you have a cut in your arm. We can disinfect it, and you won't go gangrenous. Yeah, a lot of uh, Chukchi and a lot of other indigenous or circumpolar people were affected by, you know, smallpox and influenza, and that cut the population way down. Yeah, yeah. just but, like the natives in America. Did. Yeah, it's kind of like the. The common trend, what happens, like, when Europe went to America and, you know... Yeah, it's just life. what happens yeah. when you're not around the, yeah. the cows, chickens, pigs. So you don't not, you don't have access to fight... You don't have the immune receptors yeah. in you already to fight them. Mm-hmm. Like, with, like when you're born from someone who has it, you already have them in you, kind of, so I believe. Yeah. And uh, the final thing I want to talk about is housing, which, back in the day... They lived in... Oh, uh, Urangas. And what were the Urangas made out of? They're, I, I believe they're made out of reindeer, um, but they're shaped like cones or rounded like tents. Hmm. But modern day, some still do if they were nomadic, I would believe, but most modern churches live in one-story wooden houses. Or Soviet era, essentially, 
So do you think anyone still lives in any of the... Yeah, nowadays there's probably very few, considerably. But some still probably do. Yeah, I can imagine it's not too sustainable right now. Yeah, Russian brutalism architecture is what I was meaning to say. Yeah. (laughs) And... What is it? It's a very rural area, so there's not a whole lot of cities over there. I'm pretty sure the closest, like, city is probably Vladivostok, which is down in the more so southern by Manchuria in China, so... Mm-hmm. Well, you can imagine if you're living that closely with that many people and you don't, like, it's like travel very much, like, you probably know them all really well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> to feed off what you were saying about, like, the bad parts of, like, like what happened to shamans and stuff, I'm going to go a little bit before that um, and talk about the religion of the Chuchi. Uh, there's slightly over 15,000 people in that group which is kind of on the bigger side for most of those people. Um, And their beliefs and practices were closely related to shamanism. Uh, But on the bright side, they weren't able to get attacked for being like in the religion because they pretty much only practice it in their homes. Mm -hmm. Um, So there wasn't like an organized group that would go out and do these things. Uh, But during rituals, Chuchi shamans would like fall into trances, this was partially because they were, um, like, really into it, but also um, drug use um, in some ways. Um, they, not only did they do shamanism, but they also, like, believed in fol- folklores, and so they would, like, have like, stories about um, war conflicts and animals and, like, Traditions that like have gone on for many. Years. From yeah, what you're uh, you're saying. So, as I said, with the conflict with uh, the Chukchi and the Russians, that story it was because the Chukchi won. It kind of like it was passed down from generations because what well, we act, they actually won it and it kind of became traditional and part of their fo- folklore. And then kind of added to that because it was kind of so legendary that they won yeah. against a powerful nation. Another thing is, was the do you know if the uh, shamanism they believe was it closely like related to Native American shamanism or was it like in a different kind of way? If you know that, it was it didn't really specify. It just was like they're just I think close like they just resemble a lot of what shamanism is in some ways. They don't do like the whole thing. It could yeah. be uh, related because I know. Uh, the Chukchi are one of the tribes that was, there's theories that they uh, crossed the Bering Land Bridge, then they backtracked back to Chukotka, and so there could be similarities yeah. between both. Yeah. So I was going to say, you know, they're... I would guess it's both. Yeah, because they're, like, very close to the area, because I know that the uh, Ket people, it is believed that they traveled over the land bridge and they went back. Yeah, the Navajo, uh, Navajo people language. And I think, people. yeah, they're, the Ket language is closer related to the Navajo yeah. language. And that that's kind sense. of evidence of the yeah. back migration yeah. back over to... So then, yeah, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Um, for, like you said earlier, they they do eat a lot of different kinds of foods, like frozen fish, seals, reindeer, like... I mean, as much as 
that like they have to go and find all those things and that just seems like a lot. <laughs> on a on a whale, right close to right close when the temperature goes down and just throw it outside because yeah. guess what? It's colder outside than in a in a freezer, so well, it does make me really appreciate the food I do get to eat. Mm-hmm. Um so let's move I'm gonna move on to like more of their traditional clothing and stuff. Um the women traditionally wore like a Kirker? Yeah. Um, uh, which is like a knee length coverall um, made from reindeer. So, like, they not they use every part of this mm-hmm. reindeer. Like, they don't just eat it. They, yeah. they use everything they can get. Bones which, for arrows, probably, yeah. or, you know, eat the bone marrow. Yeah. Because that's very nutritious, essentially. It has a lot of vitamins, minerals, all the fun stuff you need to live, so. Um, and then men wore loose shirts and trousers that were made out of the same material, so reindeer, um, occasionally, but, um... I would imagine that the, uh, the maritime Chukchi, they themselves, they would, like with the boats that they have, they would use the whale skins or the walrus skins, and they would use that from whenever it was, you know, more so hot out or if they needed, like, protection from the water, right? Yeah. Um... And then, although I do wonder what reindeer feels like to wear, because it can... Very warm, I would assume. I would assume it would be pretty warm, yeah. yeah. They're going to wear it all the time up there. <laughs> well, not, not all the time, but, you know, whenever it gets to, like, yeah. negative 50 Celsius out there, so... I don't think I'd survive. <laughs> I mean, it would be it would be interesting to go do, just to see how it is. I mean, it if would. I could take a year and just travel up there, I think I'd try to do it. I like my war- nice, warm house. With the furnace. I, I don't believe I agree. <laughs> but I mean, hey, it would be interesting. It would be interesting. You'd probably learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Chuchi, another cool thing about them is they have, like, rites of passage. Um, and so when it, a woman gets pregnant, like, they have to, like, follow all these rituals. Like, getting up in the morning, they have to go outside every morning. And I just thought that um, that was really cool. And then in the huts that they live in, there's, like, no men are allowed in there. Um, Isn't that during the uh, birthing process? Yeah. Mainly? So I just thought that was kind of interesting, a little bit different. I mean, I like that I like the that they have to go outside every day, you know? Yeah, make sure that the baby in the womb can feel a bitter cold it's going to feel when it's alive. Yes. So, they also celebrate a lot of, like, holidays, but not, like, anything like what we celebrate. Um, they, I mean, at least I hope we're not celebrating some of these, like, their festivals. Um, they sacrifice for spirits. Uh, so, I, I think that's cool for, like, you know, them. Isn't there, like, a, most circumpolar people do have, like, these big festivals during the... Summer months? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they probably aren't doing sacrifices for the spirits anymore, but... I mean, they might, like, if they need to, they'll probably, like, get, like, a seal, or oh, I would yeah, imagine, that maybe. Makes sense. And they'd use that as, like, a sort of, like, how most people would use, like, bread and wine for yeah. their religious... It does, they do seem like they're having cool, like, festivals, though. Yeah, like, so their remember, outfits are insane. So I remember that one other, I cannot remember the name right now, 
there's a massive festival that's attended by like half a million people every year, I believe. I think it's not the Evan, is it? Or the Evank? It's one of the Circumpole people that host the big festival every year. Yeah. People gather. I can't really remember which one. I just remember, like, all their colors are really, like, bright, and I like that. Because um, they have to, they have to be moving, so you have, so in order for them to, like, express themselves, they have to decorate what they, what they can and what they can show off, like their clothing. Yeah. Um... Like you said, they they did go to boarding school for a while, and I can imagine that was not easy being like stripped of basically your whole culture. Uh-oh. Being forced to learn Russian in the Russian ways. Yeah. Forced assimilation. Yeah. Just kind of wait, you know, see across all kind of continents. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, everywhere. Everywhere at this yeah. point, which is kind of sad. Uh, both uh, sexes share house responsibilities, which I think is honestly kind of different from, like, and it's being that this is a while ago, like, when a while ago in the United States, like, it was just the women. So I think that this is honestly really interesting. I mean, the women cook and clean and, like, fold laundry and stuff. The men fish and deer hunt and get firewood. But they do more than that in, like, different ways, and I feel like. They, because their whole life is pretty much like like getting stuff to survive like that's their whole life there's not like I'm pretty uh, just in general the gender roles are more equal yeah between both men and women in the home um, you have to rely on you and your partner in order to survive in exactly. those conditions so you really gotta pull your own weight yeah. For you and the children that you produce. Uh, and then, you know, like, we have, I think this is cool because we have such, like, you know, we have football, baseball, soccer, all these, like, crazy sports everyone loves watching, you know. But, like, for the Chuchi, like, they they don't have TV sometimes, internet, like, stuff like that. So, like, you can imagine, like, they have to find ways to kind of get out there and have fun. So a few things that they do is like reindeer and dog sled races, and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'd want to see one of those eventually. It's a good source of entertainment for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, hey, I mean, what else are you going to do besides stare at whiteness and go mad, so? I mean, you're like, they're, like I said, their whole life is fending for themselves. you got to yeah. find something fun to do. And I'm sure they play other sports too. Because aren't there like big... Uh, Native art communities now, I believe. Yeah. So I imagine that the Chokshi would try to design clothes, I would guess, in order to help, like, express their own culture and try to essentially just ship it around the world so that people know who they are. Yeah. They also wrote a lot of books in the Chokshi, and they like a lot of storytelling and stuff. So people do know who they are, and they're definitely out there a little bit more than some other groups. Um, kind of wrap it up and put it in conclusion. Um, the Chukchi were, like, first founded in Russia in about 1641. Um, that's when they started their big reindeer herding, um, you know, started, like, herding with the reindeer, making sure they use everything with the reindeer, not just the meat, but, like, the hide, the bone, everything else. 
starting to spread spread apart, spread apart, get to the coast, the outside to where they get to the whales, which is now like their primary source to uh, a food, because you know one whale can last you a couple weeks. Really, is a good source where they also got the walruses, seals, and then polar bear, polar bears, plus just fishing to get the extra food. And then about 50 years later, they got the tax from the Russian with their fur tax, which kind of hurt them because they're just big hunters and gatherers. So getting that fur tax really hurt them. Um, with them coming, evolving, everything else, alcoholism and substance abuse became a really big thing because of the boarding schools and everything else they had to deal with. Um, into their lives. Um, I have a question. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you know why that they lived where they do? Or is it more so... Um, they lived in the western part of modern Chicota until the 14th to... the 13th to 14th century. And they yeah. just... Do you know why that they were, like forced to move or was it just like the depletion of resources or you know what happened? Uh, they were invaded by the Yukakers and moved to the Dakota Peninsula where they met the Yupik. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then they moved well it was north west to the to more like where they got the more money. Northeastern. Yeah northeastern where they got the more money for living up there with the teachers and everything else that made just made more money. Thank you everyone for listening. That was our episode of the Circumpolar People podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Alex. I'm Amelia. I'm Nathan. Thank you everyone.